What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for these podcast episodes, as well as supporting me on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. If you don't follow me already, it would mean a lot if you give me that follow. Um, I do giveaways on there as well as post my um, Instagram live sessions, which you can click on the IGTV section, watch any of my previous live sessions. I've had many great guests such as Marty Baran, Joe Licata, Naaman Roosevelt, and most recently last week, I had Bill Beat and Silent reporter Sal Capaccio. It was a really great interview with him. Um, so if you want to go check that out, give me a follow. be greatly appreciated. I'm also having merchandise on pre-sale through today. And then you'll have to wait a little bit longer if you want to order a shirt. But all the information for that is on my page as well. And uh, my email is also in the bio if you have any questions about the podcast in general. Or if you want to just send me any topics you would like to hear, I'm always checking. Um, and I'm usually willing to respond within the first hour or so. So if you have any uh, inquiries about, you know, something you want to hear on the show just you know shoot me a message or an email and hopefully i'll be able to get it on there for you um today i'll be talking about the bills jets game um why the sabers are making some headlines in a negative way once again in the media world and then a very sad and unfortunate day um in the big four hoops world between university of buffalo and canisius i'll detail that at the end of today's podcast Starting off with the Buffalo Bills, they are officially back as their season kicked off yesterday at home with no fans against the New York Jets. Um, The Bills came away winners with a 27-17 victory. Um, Overall, um, you know, my first initial thoughts was that it was a, I don't want to say a bad win, but a, you know, not the win it needed to be is what I'll I'll say. Um, you know, starting off with the bad of the game, um, they should have won by 30 points. They should have had 45 points on the board. Um, Allen fumbles twice in drives where they're on the Jets side of the field. And you have two Tyler Bass missed field goals, although one actually looked like it went in, but you can't review it because it was above the goalpost. So... Just that right there, if the Bills were to come away with two touchdowns or two field goals when the Allen fumbles or made both those field goals in addition, the Bills could have scored um, a possible 20 more points and it ended up winning 47-17 to instead of 27-17 and made it seem like the Jets were in that game at all. The Bills dominated the Jets the entire game. Um, There's a point during the game where I believe the Bills had 18 first downs to the Jets one. Um, the Bills completely controlled the clock, time of possession, everything. Um, the run game was not great at all. Um, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss had a combined 18 carries for only 41 yards. So that's only about 2.2 yards per carry. No touchdowns there. Either Moss did have a receiving touchdown. Um, Josh Allen had 14 carries for 57 yards and one touchdown. Um, the big thing that stands out for him, though, is his continued fumbling issue he has to find a way to get that cleaned up um I know it's kind of the first week and there's no preseason or anything so you know overall I think 
a lot of fans want to give the Bills a little bit of a break, which I can be understanding of because, you know, it's the first game of the season. They're pretty much getting their first full contact in against another team. It's going to be a little bit more sloppy, more penalties because, as I said before, there was no preseason. But at the same time, this year, I'm really trying to hold the Bills to that higher standard and hold them, hold them more accountable. If the Bills want to be recognized as one of the best teams in the NFL, show that they're an elite football team, and if Josh Allen wants to show he's not a draft bust and he's a lot better than everyone wants to give him credit for, I mean, just going through Twitter and stuff today, I don't even like to get into the conversations with other people that bash Josh Allen anymore because it's not even worth it. You can go on with pro football focus. You have these guys on FSN and all these other people you know, Josh Allen's trash, you know, he's inaccurate, did you see that missed throw to John Brown, um, you know, not talking about the 30 other completions he had, the game overall that he had was great outside of the two fumbles and a couple missed throws, um, he's got a new key receiver in Stephon Diggs he has to get acquainted with, um, and they came away with a win, at the end of the day, you want to win football games, and right now, since Josh Allen's been in the NFL, he's been a winner. He's taken a, taken a team to the playoffs. Granted, they lost that game, but they were, you know, right there to win the game. They had every opportunity to win it, and it was his first playoff game. They're going to learn from it. I have a lot of faith in the coaching staff and the management and Brandon Bean, and I just have faith that Josh is hopefully going to continue to improve. Um, I'm still a little bit skeptical. I'm not saying he doesn't have anything to improve on, but when you just go on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, it's, hard to do that um with sports obviously everyone has their own opinions and they're entitled to it but when you go look at you know Patrick Mahomes last year no look throwing Travis Kelsey and air mailing at 10 yards over his head or you look at yesterday Lamar Jackson goes and pitches a football backwards um to Mark Ingram and it completely doesn't do what he wanted it to do you think about when Josh Allen pitched it in you know the playoff game at Dawson Knox and I'm not trying to compare the moments because Josh did it in a playoff game in a winner go home scenario compared to Lamar Jackson did it week one versus the Cleveland Browns in a game that they were already winning by a lot of points. Like I said, I'm not going for, you know, the context there is of what the game it's more of when Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson do anything like that, you know, they don't get criticized for it. the second Josh Allen does it. He gets ripped apart. He's a bad quarterback. He sucks. Um, and they don't look at the entire thing of the game. There's people, one guy from Pro Football Focus saying that that throw that Allen missed Brown on was one, is one of the worst, if not the worst, in NFL history. It's like, don't get me wrong, that's a throw Allen has to make. If you want to be a franchise quarterback, if you want to beat the Kansas Cities, the Baltimores of the world, the New Englands, whoever, you have to make that throw. And the Bills were fortunate enough that they were up by a lot against one of, if not the worst team in the NFL based on how they played yesterday in the New York Jets, that you can get away with that. And I'm hoping he's going to learn from that, and I'm sure he's going to make that throw um, in other games in the season. Does he have to hit it? Yes. But to say that it's the worst throw in NFL history, I mean, I can point to other throws he's made that are worse. I mean, look at the throw he made in the playoff game and double coverage to... Patrick DeMarco, I'd argue that's a worse throw. How about Sam Darnold yesterday throwing across his body in the triple coverage where Matt Milano picked it? Like, you could go through quarterback after quarterback and pick out awful throws they've made. 
Um, it's just, I just hate arguing people about that. But um, continuing on my point, the last bad part of the game was obviously injuries. Um, losing both Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds during the game is a huge blow. Um, Edmonds is pretty much the cornerstone of that defense outside of Tredavious White. Um, it appeared that his injury isn't going to be as significant. I think they were just being cautious because of how much they were up by um, when they looked at him in the locker room after the game. He had no you know, shoulder brace on or anything, nothing wrapped up. Um, so that would indicate to me that he's good to go. Matt Milano is a different case. He left the first half a little bit early with a hamstring issue. Um, hamstring issues are always tricky. Um, I'm a little bit optimistic just based on the way Milano plays that he'll be able to play against the Dolphins next week, but I'm also confident in the backups as well as, you know, Tyrell Dotson and those guys be able to step in. Um, Dotson got banged up a little bit and Phillips actually got hurt in the game as well. He was the kind of surprise, um, making the Bills 53-man roster. Um, as of right now, we don't have the injury report for Edmonds or Milano, so I can't give you an actual update of what's going to happen, but we'll see week two versus Miami, what they're going to do. Um, Fitzpatrick is remaining the starter for the Dolphins. Um, I just saw that a few minutes ago that he's going to be playing week two versus the Bills in Miami. So um, just something to keep an eye on. As far as the game overall for the good side, obviously Josh Allen outside of those two fumbles and bad incompletion, he is stellar day, 33 of 46 for 312 yards, his first 300 game in his NFL career. Two touchdowns, protected the ball through the air at least, no interceptions. Did have one or two passes that um, could have potentially gotten picked, gotten picked off, but nothing like he had done last year at the beginning of last year, where he's throwing in the double, triple coverage. Um, one rushing touchdown and 57 on the ground as well. So almost 400 total yards um, of offense from Allen, which is great to see. Stephon Diggs and John Brown proving that they could be one of the best duos in the NFL as a receiving core. As Josh Allen stated in his post-game press conference yesterday. He feels they have two number one receivers, and I couldn't agree more. Um, Stephon Diggs didn't take him long for get, to get him um, going in this game. Eight catches for 86 yards on nine targets. Made a really t couple tough contested catches where he got hit hard immediately after, but it's exactly what you want from a wide receiver one. And um, the trade so far looks like, even though it's only one weekend, it's going to be paying off huge for the Bills come down the stretch of the season. John Brown, a really good game. Six receptions for 70 yards, one touchdown on 10 targets. He also drew a few um, pass interference calls on deep balls where Josh Allen was um, able to draw the Jets offside and get a free shot play. So that was great. Um, the defense was great as advertised. The only play that they really messed up on was the Jameson Crowder, you know, quick screen touchdown. Edmonds and Poyer both missed tackles on that touchdown. Other than that, the Bills defense pretty much dominated them. They got a little bit too conservative for my liking in the third and fourth quarter. I felt like they were kind of playing off Darnold, not bringing nearly as much pressure as they should have been. But outside of that, like I said, they played really well. Matt Milano, as I mentioned, made a really nice interception. Jordan Poyer made a really big momentum play, forcing that fumble where Jerry Hughes recovered it. Dean Marlowe, a nice special teams play, causing a fumble. And then Andre Roberts was great in special teams. Five returns for 69 yards, average of 13 point eight on those punt returns excuse me and um that's just big because it really last year I felt like the Bills didn't get enough you know starting field position 
in the way they wanted to. And Roberts really did that yesterday, helping the Bills flip the field and starting drives at their own, you know, 35, 40 yard line instead of backed up all the way into their own red zone. So overall, I think the Bills played well. I think the offense looked pretty good outside of the couple fumbles and miscues on offense. I think they'll get it cleaned up over the next week or two. Um, defense looks stellar. It's really just waiting on the injuries. And then Tyler Bass, a few missed field goals. Um, obviously a little bit of a concern, but at the same time, he is a rookie, so you want to give him the benefit of a doubt. I'm hoping he's going to bounce back here against Miami. If not, you're probably going to have to give Steven Hauschka an apology call and bring him in. Um, if Milano and Edmonds are both hurt for a significant period of time, there are already been rumors that they would reach out to Lorenzo Alexander about potentially bringing him back. Um, I know some people jokingly talked about Luke Keekley. You never know. I doubt it. But they also do have Andre Smith on the practice squad, who's a good veteran player. So I think the Bills will be all right, especially for the next few weeks at least. Um, you know, I expect the Bills fully to beat Miami next week. And, you know, I think week three against the Rams is really going to be a big test for them. You know, the Rams looked really good last night against the Cowboys. Um, so I'm hoping that Josh Allen's going to clean up the turnovers a little bit. Hopefully we'll get some good news on the injury front. Um, hopefully Tyler Bass will get it going again. And uh, hopefully we'll start off season 2-0. and um, Moving on to the Buffalo Sabres. They were in the negative headlines for the media once again. Not shockingly, I feel like all I talk about on here is bashing the Sabres because they haven't done anything relevant in the past few months and they were not in the playoffs. The only positive for the Sabres is they have a top five player in the NHL and Jack Eichel. Other than that, nothing else is very good right now. Um, so basically what happened over this past week was TSN's Frank Cervelli um, reported that the Sabres asked Ralph Kruger and his coaching staff to take a 25% reduction in salary and I feel like a lot of people would say, well, because of COVID and everything, you understand why they're trying to do that. They need to take some of their money so they can make other things work in the organization. But I want to give you some context of why this is a big deal. And Ralph Kruger and his staff actually declined this, which I was happy for them to do. And I'll tell you why here just based on the backstory. So this comes after the coaching staff previously agreed to take a 20% pay cut for a period from April 1st through July 13th. Then the Sabres proceeded to clean house and fire 22 members of their staff, including the entire Rochester American staff and head coach Chris Taylor, who I still disagree with, should have been, not have been fired. He deserved to be there. He was, that was one of the only things that was going well in the organization as far as Rochester was going. Um, and most recently reported by um, Cervelli was also that the conversation um, between Chris Taylor and new GM Kevin Adams on his, you know, firing, the conversation on the phone lasted less than a minute. That was something I previously did not know until this week. Um, I think that's mind-boggling because apparently Chris Taylor asked why he was being really relieved and they didn't really give him a straight answer. Um, I think that's BS on the part of the Pagulas and Kevin Adams. Um, even if your answer was because you needed to save money, which no team's going to admit to doing, if you can at least tip your head a little bit and kind of give him that insight of that's probably why, um, there is nothing saying why from a performance perspective, why he should have been let go. But, um, the big reason why I bring that up is because 
from Rel Kruger and his coaching staff's perspective, why would they take an additional pay cut after they already agreed on a 20%? Now they want to raise it to 25% even after they already took the 20% pay cut from that time period. In June, they still decided to clean house. So why would you take another pay cut when previous cuts didn't, you know, stop the Pagulas from firing other people? It just makes no sense. The reason you fire all those people is because you need money and because you're already in a financial bad situation because of COVID and everything and because your team stinks and they haven't made the playoffs and aren't bringing in any money. But why would they take more money away from the head coaching staff when they've already taken money from 22 other people? It just makes no sense. And then the big kicker is Cervelli talked about the reports that Sabres are setting an internal spending of the lower $70 million for their cap range, which is under or $10 million under the salary cap. And you may think that's a good thing, um, but at the same time, the Sabres currently only have 10 players under contract for next season. They have a ton of restricted free agents they have to bring back, like Sam Reinhart, um, Dominic Cahoon, Victor Olipson, Brandon Montour, all these different guys. If you want to re-sign all those and try to get Jack Eichel some help, Kevin Adams is going to have to move some pieces around and get rid of guys like Rasmus Bristolainen. You might have to move a Marcus Johansson to get up some more or free up some more salary uh, space. And at the same time, what this tells me is more than likely they're going to lean on young players, and it more than likely means Tage Thompson and Casey Middlesat are going to be expected to put up 30, 40 points this year. Do I think they can do that? Probably not. So the Sabres have so much stuff they have to figure out. Um, they continue to be a laughing stock as far as the media goes. Um, you know, they just have to get it figured out. And it, for Sabres fans, I think the biggest reason why they always get pissed off is because they're consistently looking in the media. They have all these negative reports coming out about like stuff like this, how the Sabres aren't making money and the Pagulas are asking, you know, personnel and coaches to take pay cuts and they're not getting Jack Eichel help and everyone has to hear all the time, oh, Jack Eichel's out of here in a year or two, which I think is fully plausible if they don't start winning. And then you go and look at what they're doing with the Bills and everything's going great. You know, Brandon Bean is doing a phenomenal job. Head coach Sean McDermott just got a six-year extension. You know, we have Stephon Diggs. We assigned Deion Dawkins. Um, we re-signed Pro Bowl and All-Pro corner Travis White. Um, and you just look at what they're doing, and then the big kickers, you see Kim Pagula doing her own podcast, you know, for the Buffalo Bills. And from Sabres fans' perspective, myself included, it's kind of just like you're neglecting your other team a little bit. And that really pisses off Sabres fans because for how long have we been enduring this losing streak uh, of not making the playoffs now? We're the longest playoff drought in the NHL. You know, the Sabres were the team that they owned first and were the ones that said they weren't willing to spend anything and their sole purpose is to win a Stanley Cup and bring one to Buffalo. And it seems like ever since they've gotten the Bills a little bit on track because they got lucky hiring two people um, that they've kind of neglected the Sabres and don't really care as much. And that really bothers Sabres fans and a lot of people want them to sell the team. And, you know, it's one of those where if you're going to own all these multiple sports teams in Buffalo, which we're grateful for, same time if you can't you know put a good product on or fully commit to all of them then you shouldn't be owning all of them in my opinion
And then the last thing for today's podcast, a little bit of a sad note to end podcast, some really bad news coming out for Big Four Sports in Buffalo involving Canisius and UB men's basketball. Um, over the last week, UB men's basketball player Malik Zachary, one of the their big prospects that they brought in and signed this year, um, was arrested on Friday and charged with second-degree assault and fourth-degree criminal possession of a weapon. He was released, and they are waiting for a court date. So this all sparked last week on Wednesday when University of Buffalo and Canisius College men's basketball were scrimmaging in a facility in North Tonawanda. Um, even though they won't say that it was a scheduled you know, scrimmage with one another, it was something that was clearly um, set up between the two teams. Um, a fight broke out in which reported today from the Buffalo News based on police investigations that Malik Zachary was the one who initiated the fight in which he threw a punch first. Um, and after the fight broke out, Malik Zachary um, ended up stabbing a Canisius men's basketball player in the leg. It was later revealed that it was senior forward Scott Hitchin. Um, Scott's one of the big pieces for the Golden Griffins and their basketball team over the past few years and is going to play a key role for them this year. Um, I've met Scott a few times personally. He's a really great guy. Um, obviously, I hope that him and his family are doing good. Um, I reached out to him and he said he's doing all right and recovering well. Um, the report from Bleak Zachary's father says um, that their Canisius players were almost double the amount of UB players and that UB players had to fight off three or four Canisius players apiece. Um, the police said that they could not confirm that story. They said that there were more Canisius players than UB, but not to the amount of uh, that his father had stated and it was confirmed that Malik was the one that started the fight for UB it seems like Kanisha players just retaliated it and then ended up Scott ended up unfortunately on the end of a you know knife in the middle of his thigh obviously we hope that he's okay um, as I said he seems like he's recovering well right now we're just kind of trying to get all the pieces together both Kanisha and UB are cooperating with the police um, you know Kanisha's Outside of uh, Scott's dad saying that he was the player that um, was the one that got stabbed. They really didn't comment further. They kind of wanted to let the police do their thing. UB, on the other hand, uh, Malik Zachary's father was very outspoken. But he also wouldn't confirm that his son was the one that stabbed him in the leg. But from multiple people in the Buffalo police saying that from UB and Canisius, they heard that Malik was the one that escalated it. So there will be more details in the coming week or so probably on that story. But really a sad note for um, those two schools hope everyone for both parties is okay and I hope that um, proper justice is served but that's going to do it for today's episode everyone thank you all for tuning in um, like I said before if you give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast I greatly appreciate it be sure to check out my merchandise I um, hope everyone is staying safe and healthy I will be back again on Friday probably going over week one um, NFL games Kind of what stood out to me. Probably preview some week two as well. I'll be detailing the NBA conference finals as we'll have that all set um, after tomorrow night when the Nuggets um, and Clippers play game seven. The Heat Celtics series is all set and the Lakers defeat the Rockets in five games. So they're awaiting the winner of these games tomorrow night. And then I'll probably be detailing some NHL and MLB stuff as well. Probably do a four topic. Uh, bigger episode on Friday, so it'll probably be 25, 30 minutes long. 
But I'll be back on Friday, everyone. Uh, hope everyone is enjoying their week so far. Glad that football is back and we have a full slate of sports going on around the world. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Stay safe, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.